The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Thank you very much, Eamon. You're listening to The Hard Shoulder here on News Talk. Kieran Cuddy with you until 7 o'clock. And Ashling Larkin, the TV chef and the mindful eating coach, is back with me. Usually, Ashling brings food with her, so we're always delighted to see her, but she has no food this week. I'm kind of glad, Ashling, you don't have any food this week. I know, yeah. We are talking about a topic that will, you'll either love it or hate it. And I love it. But then oh, I hate don't. it. Yeah, this I, I've this, I've got a real dichotomy going on in my brain about it. We are talking airline food today. Oh, I I I'm I struggle to understand how anyone could love it. I can see how you'd endure it and you just eat it because you're hungry. You actively sometimes look forward to what they serve you on a plane. You know what? I look forward to everything that comes before I open the top of the foil tray. Oh. I love the anticipation. I love the excitement. I love the hospitality from the airline. Like, I, you know, it's a distraction. It's a little bit of entertainment. And then you peel back the foil and it's nine times out of ten pretty disappointing unless you're going first class. Oh, well, I've, I've never flown first class. I flew first class internally in the States not too long ago uh, but it was a very short flight and it was kind of um, it was just snacks. Now it was nice snacks and they were free snacks. It was free booze which was particularly nice but I've never had the full first class treatment. Oh yeah. You've got okay. lead crystal glasses you've got weighted cutlery you've got starched linen napkins fillet steak dauphinoise potatoes steamed green beans matching paired wines champagne it is it's good it's good alright uh, take me back to where all of this started the idea of giving people dinner on an aeroplane yeah it started way way back we're so, so used to it we don't question it it's kind of incongruous you don't get dinner on the bus no you don't no so it started really as kind of almost like a self-soothing thing there was a lot of anxious passengers and people wanted them to be calm and feel safe and there were long flights so they wanted to distract them as they went so um, there was a really really early flight back in 1919 it went from London to Paris Handley Page um, and they served the first meal it was like a little lunch box almost of like a pick and mix um, it was served for three shillings um, and that was the first one but then you had the likes of Pan Am so they came along kind of 1927 1929 they were doing these flights Texas to Mexico they started to introduce food um, on their first flight though the first item of food to be served was chewing gum so they looked right. at what NASA were doing for astronauts and they saw that chewing chewing gum, they believed, could relieve a little bit of motion sickness. So this is where they gave somebody something to chew on at takeoff. Oh, that then right. progressed into warm nuts, which now kind of goes to our pretzels because obviously we can't have nuts because of allergies and everything. But that was the beginning of it. And then 1920s, 1930s, the evolution of food really began on these flights. They didn't have ovens though. Yeah, okay. So what were they serving on these early flights? When we got when we get beyond the pretzels and we get to actual food. It had to be cold. So a lot of the these Pan Am flights, like I said, they were the first ones. They, those in Lufthansa are kind of competing for who was first. You have coffee um, that was in kind of thermos flask. They could keep that warm. Other than that, it was cold fried chicken, salads, um, little nibbly bits like that. Then they started to use the residual heat from the exhaust of the planes to try and heat food and warm up food. This was before the invention. Oh, that's clever now. It's mm. like district heating or something, but in the sky. Very, though, um, wasn't the most predictable in terms of heating food all the way through. I'd imagine there was a lot of health and safety issues right, then that they had okay. to navigate. Um, so then they looked at, there was a guy called Harry Maxim and he discovered or invented the convection oven that could go onto planes and this revolutionised everything. So the food was prepared on ground brought into the ovens and Pan Am very um, proudly celebrated the fact that they could heat your meal and have it ready within 300 seconds. So five minutes they would have a hot meal on your plate. So, uh, sorry, are they, they actually heat them still to this day? Yeah. 
Yeah, oh. so the ovens heat them. So they're all prepared in massive food service facilities on ground, popped into the, the trays and then into the containers and then they come out into the ovens and then they're popped on your pre-prepared tray ready to go. And I assume then once this begins, this uh, process of actually cooking them uh, on the plane, then there's kind of an arms race, is there, between all these airlines. They, they want to kind of be the best and offer the fanciest food. Absolutely. And that really started 1950s, 1960s with this golden era. Frank Sinatra, come fly with me. Mm. It was glamour, particularly when premier class and business class started to emerge between the likes of British Airways, Air France. Um, You had Air Italia, who their government actually bought stocks of delicious Italian cheeses and started to sell that and give that on board. So they were kind of doing duty for their country by showcasing all their fabulous produce um, and also then treating people. You had the Norwegian Airlines and the Scandi Airlines and they were doing all these smogus boards of all these delicious little nibbles, all Nordic foods. Yeah, there was a real competition. This was the USP for airlines. Concord? What was the food like in Concord? Oh, you were talking foie gras, truffles, champagne, all of the deliciousness that could possibly be imagined. And then we swing the other way, completely, the pendulum. We get our friends, Michael O'Leary and everyone in Ryanair. No frills, low cost and all of the glamour was stripped out of it. And listen, they weren't the only ones. You even had American Airlines and their chief executive decided that he wanted to save $40,000 in one year. So he took one olive off every single first class salad um, and that saved them 40000 40 in one grand. year. Yeah. He saved the salary of probably one individual, one low paid individual <laughs> by just getting rid of a single olive. Um, why does it taste so poxy? I know. It's, it's science. It genuinely is science. We cannot blame the airlines for this. Really? Or the food services. Yeah. So basically, your perception of taste, I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour of the science of, of taste okay. now, right? Okay. But basically, you don't taste the same when you are at 30,000 feet in the sky as you do when you're on the ground. So there's three things when you board an airplane that affect your taste. So taste or the flavour of food is a combination of two things, taste and aroma. So taste is what we experience on our tongue. Okay. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter and umami. And then f- the aroma is obviously comes from the smell. So when you chew food, you release these chemical volatiles. So they, there's retronasal and orthonasal. They go up through your nose, up through the back of your throat. Hmm. Neurotransmitters bring them into your brain and your brain processes. Your brain is this like filing cabinet of all these smells. So when you combine the smell with the taste... That's what gives us flavour. However, that becomes muted when we fly. So it's almost like your sense... Why? Three things. The humidity, the altitude and the, the pressure in the plane and also the noise of the cabin. So humidity. We need all of the mucus flowing in our nose so that we can process all of the smells. Mm. And the humidity on a flight is less than 12%. So it's really, really dry. So you can't, you're, you can't perceive the aromas. Is the air? Yeah, yeah. Because the humidity in Ireland would be... Upwards of 80%, wouldn't it, most of the time? Yeah, it's incredibly dry. And then that, mixed with the pressure in the cabin, um, causes you to not be able to taste. So the altitude and the pressure causes you to taste sugar and salt 15% less than what you would if you are on the ground. And the noise in the cabin is at about 75 to 80 decibels. And that also affects how your brain processes. Sorry, if I listen to loud music on the ground, it would affect... How I taste food. Yes. Obviously, I, it, I'm not affected by humidity and all those other things, but actually listening to music will affect the ta- how I taste yeah. food. Yes, yeah. so there's an amazing guy wow. called Charles Spence in Oxford and he's done huge studies in this. And they say that very um, high-pitched noises will make food taste sweeter and very low bass sounds will actually make food taste more bitter. Oh, right. Okay, so um, should then the airlines be offering us playlists 
depending on what food they're serving. They should. They can do two things. They can give you noise-cancelling headphones to block out the noise altogether. Or um, BA worked really, really hard a couple of years ago and they developed a playlist specifically to serve. So different songs at different courses um, to enhance the flavour of the food. So it was Paolo Nettini as a starter with smoked salmon and it was Lily (laughs) Allen and Madonna at a dessert. Oh, oh, sorry. I see that it's here. James Blunt, though, they had uh, for dessert as well, along with Madonna. I'm not so sure about that. I'm not sure sure James Blunt would make me uh, enjoy my dessert uh, anymore. So am I being unfair then? Airline food is actually good food. It's just that my taste buds and my kind of system of tasting food is not up to scratch when I'm up in the sky. Absolutely. It's been incredibly muted. So you you don't perceive the flavour and the taste of the food the same. And the chefs have a real challenge ahead of them. So things like spices and herbs, they've got to use twice the amount of fresh. They discover that you can't use dried herbs because they taste like hay. You can't include foods like broccoli and cauliflower because they smell like farts. Wine has a very kind of acidic flavour. It doesn't have the fruitiness. You need a a really strong, rich coffee to get the same sensation as what you would on the ground. So it's really huge development work that goes into it. Okay, and and then I suppose the types of food on offer uh, on planes, it, it, the reason I suppose it's kind of so samey, if I'll describe it that way, is because they are limited in what they can... Yeah, because you it's going to dry out really quickly on the plane. So they have to have foods that's kind of covered in sauces. They've got to have some sort of a kind of a starchy carbohydrate to fill you up a little bit. And then because of all of the different cultures and the different nations that they're traveling to, things like pork, things like fish, fish might stink up the cabin. So they've really got to think about all of these things while they create their menus. It kind of looks miserable, though. You can't get away from that, can't you? Like you get, so you get this tray and you've a bit of bread that's wrapped up in plastic. You have like your little bits of UHT milk wrapped up in plastic you've got your water that even has a plastic lid on it that drives me absolutely mental and then you've got your tin tray and you peel the lid off and all the condensation is inside and some of it drips back down it's just everything about it is unappetising it is it's just because you're trapped there you feel the need to eat it you're trapped in economy you need to go to first class and by the way if you did miss that because there were companies um, and some people genuinely missed all of what you just described and during the pandemic there was a couple of companies across the globe who set up um, food service. So they were actually recreating airline meals because there was a demand. People wanted these meals. They were ordering them. Food service deliveries were dropping them to their homes. Tray, cutlery, thin paper napkin, everything. I mean, we need to get the database, the list of people who ordered them because when the revolution comes, Ashling, (laughs) they are first against the wall. Ashling Larkin, TV chef and the mindful eating coach. Uh, We will talk to you again at the same time next week. Ashling, thanks a million uh, for joining us here on the show. You can listen back to all previous editions uh, uh, of uh, Ashling's visits here, including uh, uh, the appearance of uh, delicious food. Unlike today's topic, airline food in the love it or hate it category, I'm firmly in the latter. Uh, We will get the business news after this very quick break. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.